Good morning. You know, when I first stand up here for the first meeting of the camp meetings, I just like just to look around. And it just brings such a joy to your heart to see so many smiling faces. Old friends, new friends, friends you haven't yet made, but will do before camp meeting's over. It's a real joy. Maybe you'd like to kind of take my place just to be able to see what I can see. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'd like to paint a picture for you in your mind right now, and I'd like you to come with me as I do that. I'd like you to imagine a glorious, picture-perfect day. The weather is just perfect. Clear blue sky, beautiful sunshine. We get that in Montana, believe it or not. We just had some recently. It was wonderful, wasn't it, those of you from Montana? And as you're looking around you on this beautiful day, you see what looks like a beautiful park. You know, everything, the grass is green, and there are beautiful trees and flowers and blossoms. And as you're just taking in the scene, you begin to hear the most heavenly music wafting over the treetops. Are you there with me? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be there? And then as you're listening and just taking in this whole thing, you begin to look around you, And you realize you're not on your own. You're not alone. There's actually other people there. Some of those people you haven't seen for a long time. Maybe you've been separated from them through death. And then you look down at your feet. And where are you standing? On the sea of glass. And you look to your side and there are your children. And you hear the voice that says, where are the little flock? the precious flock that I gave to you. Can you picture yourself there? I'd like you to look. If your children are here right now, just take a moment to turn to them and just look at those dear faces. And if they're not, pull out your billfold if that's where their picture is and look at that just for a moment. Have you ever imagined seeing those faces next to you on the sea of glass? Maybe you've never done that before. You know, you can allow your imagination to go a long way as you think of that. Because one day if we are faithful, that is the very thing that will be a reality for each one of us. That's something that I like to do on a regular basis. I'd like to talk to the fathers for a minute. You know, the mother's priceless privilege kind of sounds like you're exempt from needing to be here, doesn't it? Well, at the first camp meeting of the year this year, a mother came to me after the meeting and she said, I was really blessed, but she said, my husband was incredibly blessed. Praise the Lord. I don't know how or why, but he was very moved by the mother's priceless privilege. So guys, stick around. This isn't your exit moment. (laughs) You know, we need you to be able to attain to that priceless privilege. We need you by our side. And if, you know, if you're not a figure in our lives, because maybe you're not there, then the Lord takes that place. But either way, we need that. So, <clears throat> what then is the mother's priceless privilege? And I contemplated this for quite some time. Is it carrying your child in utero? My daughter asked me, what's utero, mother? I said, you need to listen up, maybe you'll figure it out. Is that what the priceless privilege is that we're talking about? For those of you that have had children, do you still remember the first moment when your first child moved in utero? Can you still remember that? I can. 
It's a priceless, priceless privilege, isn't it? To, to have that unborn child and to bring it into the world. Or maybe the privilege is actually giving birth to that child. Now, I know, for those of you that have been through that process, you won't have forgotten that, for sure. Unforgettable experience. Is that what I'm talking about? No, it's something else other than that. Maybe it's tending to that precious little baby, and when it's first born, helpless, needing you in its life, otherwise it wouldn't survive. Is that what it is? These are all privileges, aren't they? But they are not what I'm talking about. Maybe it's homeschooling that child as it grows up. That's a real privilege, isn't it? We need to make the most of that whilst we still can in this world today. Well, I'd like us to pay attention to this particular statement in Ministry of Healing, page 377. This will give us an insight into what this privilege is. It says here, There is a God above, and the light and glory from his throne rest upon the faithful mother. No other work can equal hers in importance. Did you catch that? No other work can equal hers in importance. It is hers, with the help of God, to develop in a human soul the likeness of the divine. The mother who appreciates this will regard her opportunities as priceless. Do you consider your opportunities priceless? Sometimes it doesn't really strike you that way, does it? In a Signs of the Times article, 1877, it puts it this way, Mothers, you are developing character. Your compassionate Redeemer is watching you in love and sympathy, ready to hear your prayers and render you the assistance which you need in your life work. So then this privilege we're beginning to find is a life work. It's not just an occupation. You know, we can kind of think of that as our life work, can't we? You know, I I used to be a midwife, and that was my life work. But it isn't anymore. I'm beginning to realize that my life work is the molding and the raising of these children so that one day that vision of the sea of glass can be a reality. And I want it to be a reality for every one of us in this room. I'd like us to to compare this or to illustrate this privilege by thinking of a rushing, fast-flowing river. Now, if you visit Montana at this point in time, the snow melt is coming off the mountains, and those rivers are very wide right now, and it is not a, not a gently flowing stream going through. It's a rushing torrent oftentimes as that snow melt is coming through. You know, I'd like to equate that to this life, the busyness and the rush and push of this world. It's a bit like a rushing river, isn't it? And I'd like us to think about being on one side of that shore... And on the other side is the heavenly home. Our privilege to lead our children there. But how do we get across? Isn't that a challenge for every one of us? We're here and we want to be there, but how do we do it? What I'd like us to do is to look at eight, what I'm going to call stepping stones. And I believe there would be many more, and I'm sure you may think of others. But eight stepping stones to get us across the rushing river of life over to the heavenly shore. You know... On the banner outside of this meeting hall, we have a sure guide. That's the theme for this particular camp meeting. Our sure guide is Jesus Christ, and he is the one who will get us from this side to that side if we cling on to him. So the first stepping stone I'd like us to consider is that of recognizing the privilege. 
Do you realize that many, many people in this world never recognize the privilege they have of raising their children for heaven? Now, I don't believe any one of us in this room would fall into that category, but many of the people out there, you see them in the world and you see the precious little ones and you realize that they have got no idea about how to raise their children for the heavenly kingdom or no concept that they even need to. You know, our children are loaned to us from heaven for a short period of time. And we have to make the most of that short period. 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2 have the account of one of my most favorite Bible characters, Hannah. She's one of my most favorite ladies in the Bible, and I love to read the story of her life and her experience. And each time I do, I find more and more gems in there of her life that I can apply into my own. Did Hannah realize the priceless privilege of motherhood? Let's read there, if you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 through 11 says, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. Did she recognize her privilege? You know, she recognized that privilege before conception. This plea that she was making was before she'd even conceived this child. She recognized that. So, in recapping on just the first stepping stone, we need to start off by recognizing that this is a priceless privilege. And then we can move on from there. The second stepping stone I'd like us to look at is that of using our time. You know, maybe we weren't like Hannah and came to this before our child was born. But, you know... Wherever we find ourselves, our children will never be any younger than they are right now, here and now, in this room at this moment. Let's not waste any more time. If we've wasted some, we can redeem that time right now. Adventist Home 239 says, Let every mother feel that her moments are priceless. Doesn't that really put a value on your time, mothers? Priceless our moments. Our first work then is to develop character in our children, forming those well-rounded characters, preparing our children to be useful in this world, but that's not where it ends, is it? And preparing them for fitness in the world to come. It's a complete package for here and for there. Let's look again at Hannah and her life. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 572. It says there, From the earliest dawn of intellect, she had taught her son to love and reverence God and to regard himself as the Lord's. By every familiar object surrounding him, she had sought to lead his thoughts up to the Creator. Did you catch at what point she did that? The earliest dawn of intellect. So when is that? When is this earliest? Is it maybe when they're five or six? Well, three or four? In the womb, thank you. I appreciate that. Very, very early on in their little lives is when we need to begin to be pointing their little hearts and minds up to their creator. 
You know, what do we allow our children's minds to be absorbed in? Think about that for a moment. What is it that absorbs your child, my child? Is it things that point them heavenward? Or are they just kind of, they may not be bad things, but they just don't really point them heavenward. They just kind of, you know, don't point them anywhere. You know, if they aren't going upward, then there's only really one direction they're going. It is our privilege to do as Hannah did. And you know, the country, living in a country home, I didn't get to see how many hands there were because I was not up the front here, but a country home is the perfect environment in which to do that. But what if you don't find yourself there yet? You can begin right where you are and the Lord will give you inspiration for what you can do where you are to start pointing your children's hearts heavenward. We have found in our home, starting a garden has been a perfect opportunity. And I praise the Lord that we've made the most of that opportunity. And you know, the first thing, if you're in Montana, at least it would seem, probably most places as well, the first thing you have to do before you're going to plant this garden is put a fence around your garden area. Where we are, we feed the deer, and they love to be fed and petted and everything else, but they also love to eat anything that's green that's growing. You know, I was too late this year. They got into my iris bed when there were just little shoots about this size, and they chewed them right down. And I have irises growing, but nowhere near as many as I ought to have had, had I realized. (laughs) I covered them over with wires until they got a bit bigger. You know, so we need to put that hedge around our gardens to protect them. You know, it's the same with our children. We need to put a hedge around our children so that the seeds that we sow as they begin to grow will not get bitten off snatched away. You know, and then there's working the soil. In Montana, again, we have to haul our dirt because there isn't really any. We're in the Rocky Mountains. Tells you what we have to grow our food in. So we had to haul our soil, and it's taken us a number of years to get to the point now. We have a whole garden planted right at this point, and I'm just praying for no frost or snow whilst we're here. But, you know, we had to haul that soil. And then as we're digging through that soil, and just... Just last week, I was digging the beds, and Hannah was there breaking up the clods of dirt that were hard. Those seeds could never penetrate. And I asked her, tell me, how does that make you think about your heart? Are there those hard lumps in your heart that need breaking up by Jesus? Now, you can really draw their hearts out to the Lord that way. And they can't forget it because it's so tangible to them. And then as you plant a garden, you must choose the seeds, mustn't you? You know, you want the best seeds, don't you? You know, last year we planted some peas and most of the pea bed came up, but there was one area, nothing was happening. We left it for a week and we left it for another week. And in the end, I got the little shovel and I dug up what was there. And those seeds were slimy and moldy and horrible. And the children said, (laughs) and we threw them out, put some decent ones in. It's the same with the heart of your child. If you plant poor seeds, you'll get a poor harvest. We want to plant A1 seeds in the hearts of our children. And then there's the cultivating of of the garden, getting those weeds out as the seeds begin to grow. And then there's patience that you can draw on. We're going to talk about that more tomorrow. But, you know, when we first planted our garden last year and we put in those carrot seeds, my children fully expected that the next day they would harvest carrots. You know, it took a few weeks before there were itty-bitty little green things coming up in that garden bed. And then they thought, well, for sure now. (laughs) It took the longest time to the point where they'd almost forgotten that they were going to get anything out of these green things. And so I took them to the garden one day, and I said, children, come. I said, I want you to just pull on that 
And they pulled it, and they were like, wow, <laughs> this great long carrot came out. You know, this cultivating patience for our children just in a garden, and for ourselves too. So as we sow seeds in our garden, let's think about the seeds in the hearts of ourselves and of our children. Using our time was our second stepping stone. Our third stepping stone is that of specific, persevering prayer. In Patriots and Prophets 572, it goes on to say in regard to Hannah, when separated from her child, the faithful mother's solicitude did not cease. Every day, he was the subject of her prayers. Are your children the subject of your prayers every day? And do they know that they are? They need to know that. You know, we pray with our children. We pray for our children, for their specific weaknesses. They know that whilst we are here at camp meeting, we are specifically praying for them. We know what their weaknesses are. Now, you may look at our family and our children and think, well, there's just two little angels, you know. Well, just come stay with us, and you'll find out pretty quick that they are just normal children with a will just like yours and mine. And we have to work through it. But we're praying for our children's weaknesses. And I can tell you that I've seen many answers to prayer. So I know that it works. Have you noticed, though, that when you do pray for those weaknesses, they seem to get worse? We just need to persevere. And the Lord just wants to encourage us to persevere in those areas. We know who we're up against, so we need to press on. I had a friend of mine, a family that we know, and she called me one day and shared that one of her children, who was raised in a home just the way you would want your children to be raised, had chosen to walk away from the home, the Lord, and everything to do with what was right and true. And this child got into such a rebellion that it seemed totally irreversible. What do you say when somebody calls you like that? Isn't that hard? And I was just sympathizing and encouraging, and I was kind of choked up as I listened to the story. And I just had the thought from the Lord to encourage her, whatever you do, do not give up prayer for your child. No matter how hopeless this situation may seem, do not give up praying for your child. And it was several months later that I've learned that that child amazingly, miraculously, his eyes were opened and he began to realize the situation and turned around from what seemed totally irreversible and is now back in the home, worshiping and loving the Lord and honoring the parents. So do not give up on your children. Never, never give up. So specific, persevering prayer is a third stepping stone. Are you with me as we go across this torrent of life that we're all in, aren't we, every one of us, to get to where we want to be with our children? The fourth stepping stone is that of saying no. You know, Hannah recognized this privilege too. I did not realize this until I again began to examine her life. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. <clears throat> says there, And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, 
Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. Tell me, was it Hannah's normal practice each year to attend the sanctuary services? Is that what she usually did? Was, wasn't it? Yet here we notice that she's saying, I'll go not up. She was concentrating on her first work for a time to do what the Lord had put in her heart to do. You know, saying no is not necessarily no to our children, though, you know, we all know that we have to do that from time to time, but saying no to the things that take us from our children. Maybe it's a shopping trip with a girlfriend, and you know that your children are not going to be well-directed while you're doing that. Or maybe it's that phone call that comes right in the middle of school and you hear the voice on the answer machine and you know if you pick it up, you'll be there for a couple of hours. Have you all been there? I'm sure you have. I know I have. It's whatever compromises our first work for our dear, precious children. But... What about saying no to church responsibilities? Does that, where does that fit into this whole kind of picture? Well, as I was searching through this, I came across this statement which surprised me, but I was very encouraged by it. It's found in Adventist Home, page 247, under a section called Misconceptions of the Mother's Work. I was really intrigued by that title, so I really wanted to read on says there, the mother should not accept burdens in the church work which compel her to neglect her children. The best work in which a mother can engage is to see that no stitches are dropped in the training of her children. In no other way can a mother help the church more than by devoting her time to those who are dependent upon her for instruction and training. Did you catch what that said? I know there are some pastors here, and I apologize for sometimes how people can get this kind of off skew, but I didn't write it, but I'm so glad I read it. I'll read it again. In no other way can a mother help the church more than by devoting her time to those who are dependent upon her for instruction and training. Some mothers long to engage in missionary labor while they neglect the simplest duties lying directly in their path. That's pretty sobering, isn't it, to read? You know, I had opportunity not long after reading this to experience this. We recently in our local church, and there's a good few of our local church members here, which just warms my heart to see you. We recently had a full-blown evangelistic series with a live evangelist from Amazing Facts, a dear family friend of ours, And we're just a tiny little church, and when there's not many of you, the the workload kind of doesn't get to be spread very thinly, does it? Because there's not many different people to spread it over. Well, the question came as to whether I would get involved in childcare. And I wanted to, but here's what happened. We decided to to start attending the seminar. Well, we would get home at about 10, 10, 15 at night after the seminar. And we did, went to the first two meetings. And what do you think happened to our family schedule? It was blown apart. It took a whole week to regain that schedule for my little children. And I knew what the Lord was calling to my heart to do. Can we run the risk of being misunderstood? Does it feel good? 
Do you like to be misunderstood? It doesn't feel good, does it? It didn't feel good. But I knew what my first work was. I'd read what it said here, and I knew the most important thing for me to do was to be at home with those little children. So we would go when we could, about once a week. My husband was going a lot more frequently because he had responsibilities there. But the children and I would go about once a week, and we loved when we went, and we did as much as we could when we were there. But we weren't there as much as maybe we would like to have been or others would like us to have been. I want to pause right there because you can walk away from this now and say, well, you see, I don't have to accept any church office or any church responsibility because she said, is that what I said? No. There's a balance to be had. You need to go to the Lord and ask him what you can do. And it doesn't, it's not an out for being active in your church. But to balance it, most of us have that scale way down on the side of over-busyness and our children being kind of left to just, you know, do whatever. So I just want to give us that. And that was one of the stepping stones that I began to find important for me, saying no when the Lord called to my heart to do so. That fifth stepping stone we're going to look at is appreciating this privilege that we have been given Be truthful as mothers and fathers too. Does it always feel like one? To be an at-home mom, an at-home dad maybe, does it always feel like a privilege? It doesn't, does it? Do we sometimes get tempted to want to do something a bit more glamorous, a bit more noted by people? Well, if you're tempted that way, you're not alone. You know, we go to these camp meetings all over this country and every single one there are people that come saying, you know, oh, I just feel kind of so down sometimes about my whole experience as a mother. So if you're feeling that way sometimes, don't feel alone because you're really not. Adventist Home 231 says this, The king upon his throne has no higher work than has the mother. She has in her power the molding of her children's characters that they may be fitted for the higher immortal life. An angel could not ask a higher mission. Do you? Do you ask a higher mission than angels? That's pretty sobering, isn't it? For in doing this work, she is doing service for God. Let her only realize the high character of her task, and it will inspire her with courage. I have and I continue to be inspired with courage as I begin to put on God's eyes, if you will, as to the privilege that I am given as a mother, that you are given as a mother. And as I began to see it through very different eyes than the way the world does, I was just so desirous to encourage you all in this privilege that the Lord has given to us, that we look at it through different glasses and appreciate it for what it is. You know, when we feel like it's a drag and a drudge, like we all do sometimes, we know where that comes from. And it isn't coming from upward. It's coming from beneath. In our home, the winter months tend to be, or they used to be at least, the quieter months for our family. Those repetitive days of school, day in, day out, those same things, week in and week out, can they become a bit of a kind of a, you know, not so fun Do you find that sometimes? The Lord really called to my heart that I would make a choice to rise above that, not be looking for something more fun to do. 
And I saw that as I devoted myself to that first work, I saw incredible changes in the hearts and lives of my children just over this last winter. And it just really encouraged me. You know, as, as I would sometimes need to go do something, I made a conscious decision that it would not happen until school was done. And I wouldn't squeeze school to get it done so that it would happen. And I can remember one day my husband called up the stairs and he said, I've made our dental appointment. And he said, I've made it from noon next Thursday, I think it was. And I said, noon? And he says, yeah, is that okay? And I says, no, I can't do noon. And he's like, well, what do you mean you can't do noon? <laughs> I said, well, I'm in school. Oh, yeah. He says, you're right, you can't do noon. <laughs> he called them back and canceled it and made it for three or whatever it was when school would be done. Because, you know, if we slip it in one area and then another area and another area, before we know it, our whole schedule is fragmented. The summer is upon us, and we're only a quarter of the way through the school year. So I devoted my time to my children so that they could get the very best out of it. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's a wonderful promise. There's our part, there's the Lord's part. Our part is the first part. He can't do his part until we do ours. So if we will persevere and not be weary in doing well, he will follow through. We shall reap if we faint not. So the fifth stepping stone was appreciating this wonderful privilege that the Lord has given to us. <clears throat> I'd like us to look at the sixth stepping stone, that of lending our influence within the home. Adventist home, chapter 39, on page 240, is a whole section called Influence of the Mother. I read the whole thing. I'd encourage you to do that. It was very encouraging to me. It says, next to God, did you get that? Next to God, the mother's power for good is the strongest known on earth. Did you catch that? That is powerful. When her influence is for truth, for virtue, when she is guided by divine wisdom, what a power for Christ will be her life. Her influence will reach on through time into eternity. What a thought is this, that the mother's looks and words and actions bear fruit into eternity, and the salvation or ruin will be the result of her influence. What a sobering thought. Our looks, our words, and our actions. If you don't remember anything else, keep that into your mind. We tend to lose sight of these things sometimes, don't we? You know, as I've thought about many Bible characters, we've, in our worship time, we've been going through the Bible and we've met with little maids and what an influence she was, what, her, what an influence her parents must have been before she was taken from them. As I've contemplated that, I've thought about my own children and I've looked at my precious children and wondered, if they were taken from me today, God forbid, would they be able to stand alone without me? Ask yourself the same question. If your children were taken from you today, no matter what their age may be, would they be able to stand? You know, those, that little girl must have had very godly parents. For her to be able to stand in that corrupt environment that she was in, stand for God. Or maybe we can think of Daniel. We've been studying Daniel right now as a family. What an influence his parents had. 
And as we were in family worship recently, we like to share what we've been learning. And I'd been contemplating Daniel, and I thought about, you know, what God did through Daniel. You know, the prophecies that he revealed, they're bringing us right down to the here and now, the very short time that we have left in this world. And I got to thinking about his parents, and I thought, imagine being next to his parents in heaven when he meets up with his mom and dad for the first time, and they say, son, tell us about what happened after you were taken off to Babylon. And he begins to share. And as he's sharing the whole thing, he tells about that dream and the image and everything else. And we can say, yeah, let me tell you what happened. Because Daniel wasn't alive to see. What an incredible thing for his parents to find out. That was what God used their son for. But what if they hadn't been the influence in their home that they needed to be for that son? He'd have been like the other Israelites that went to Babylon, those we don't even know about, never heard about, because they never made a choice. So we need to be developing our own characters, mothers and fathers, that we can be the influence on our children that they need to see. In fact, you've heard that aren't our children mirrors of what we are? And I've thought about this, you know, if you want those little mirrors running around in your home to be reflecting what you want, you need to be what you want to see. Think on that one. You need to be what we want to see. John John 17, 19 says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So if we have to meet with those hard, rough areas in our characters, and we have to make a choice to be humble and submissive before the Lord, We're doing it for their sakes, that they might be sanctified. So, lending our influence, a very important stepping stone in reaching that priceless privilege that the Lord has given to us. The seventh stepping stone is that of being companions to our children. You know, as you are raising your children in this way, if you don't seek out to reach out after their hearts, you may not gain their hearts. We need to become their companions. Child Guidance, page 24, says, The mother, by almost constant association with her children, especially during their tender years, must always be their special instructor and companion. It is our privilege to be the companions to our children. It is our privilege to be their best friends. Are your children, are you your best, the best friends of your children? If not, today start it. Because it's your privilege. We need, we're told that we need to become children with our children. You know, Caleb loves to play with Legos. And we had a family visit last year with a big RV. And ever since they've been, whenever he gets his Legos and dumps it out on the rug in front of the fire, he makes RVs. He makes the most incredible and unbelievable RVs that you've ever seen. They've got, you know, three and four levels and swimming pools on top and all kinds of wonderful things. And sometimes he likes to lie his head on the rug, you know, while he's doing this. And sometimes I'll come and just put my head on the rug and I'll start putting in pieces of his RV. Now, I usually don't do a very good job. He has to take him out and restyle what I did. But, you know, binding our children's hearts to our own doesn't take a whole lot. Little Hannah has a baby doll, and she has her doll's clothes, and she was struggling to know how to organize these doll clothes. They can kind of just be a a mess, can't they, (laughs) to be honest? And so 
one day I had this idea. I just got a cardboard box, just a box that some of the ministry supplies come in, and I got some of that sticky back drawer liner, and I covered that entire box over with this drawer liner, had the front part of the box for closet doors, and I made her doll a closet for the doll clothes. And now she can hang up a little pole in the top, and now she can hang all her doll clothes in there, and they're so neat and orderly. And you know what? It encouraged her to be neat and orderly with her own clothes. Does it take much? It took me $2 and about two hours. But what a way to bind your heart to your children. You know what would bind to your own children. I encourage you to do that. It's our privilege to be the companions of our children. Lastly, but most importantly, the stepping stone of leaning upon the Lord. We will never get from this shore to the heavenly shore if we do not lean upon the Lord. It will not be possible. Jesus, as we have said, is our sure guide across that rushing torrent of life. I'd like to read to you from Signs of the Times, 1877. And I'm making these articles available for you. They're there on the back table. You can go help yourself to them. There's two articles here that I've read over and over again. They've been such a wonderful encouragement to me. And I I could stay here all day long and share with you some of the gems that are in there. So please feel free to go help yourself to those. It says in one of those articles... No work can equal that of the Christian mother. How often will she feel her burdens weigh heavier than she can bear? Do you feel that way? Do you often feel that way? I do. I do. But it goes on. And then, how precious the privilege of taking all to her sympathizing Savior in prayer. She may lay her burdens at his feet, and find in his presence a strength that will sustain her. How sweet to the careworn mother is the consciousness of such a friend in all her difficulties. If mothers would go to Christ more frequently and trust him more fully, their burdens would be easier, and they would find rest to their souls. How often when we're struggling or have a difficulty, we may call up this friend or run to that friend and kind of offload our burdens. And maybe that's appropriate, maybe it isn't. But how often do we actually go to the Lord and do that same thing? He's saying if we would go more frequently, trust him more fully, our burdens would be easier. He is our friend. Take it to him. He knows about it anyway, whether you tell him or not. But he wants you to take it so that you can receive the encouragement back from him and the guidance to know where to go. What a wonderful Savior, only we would remember. You know, back in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, you needn't turn there, they're familiar words to all of us. It says, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Those were the words of our dear Savior. And you know, we're told again in that same article that you can get from the back table, he who said, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not, still invites the mother to lead up, mothers to lead up their little ones to be blessed of him. And I know he didn't, didn't just mean little ones. Big ones too. Maybe they're married. Maybe they've got their own children. They can still be led to the Lord by your prayers, taking them to him. 
no matter how young or how old. Those promises there for us stand for all eternity. So in summary, the privilege, the priceless privilege, what is it? What is that priceless privilege that each one of us has? Raising our children for heaven, that is our priceless privilege. And you know, it isn't just about heaven either. Would you like home to be a heaven on earth? And as you start raising your children for the heavenly kingdom, your home will become one. You won't have to make it happen. It naturally will happen. And you'll begin to find things happening in your home that are just out spilling, and it will spill out of your home as you begin to put these principles into your home. And I could show you many things. I know just, oh, just a while ago, Hannah was sick. It seems like we get sick from coming to camp meeting. (laughs) Anyway, she was sick, and she'd gone to bed early, and I came down the stairs to just go tuck her in bed. And even though she had a fever and she was feeling sick, She made this habit, which I had not actually encouraged. We normally have family worship in the evening and then prayer together, and then the children go to bed, we go tuck them in. Well, I came down the stairs, and there she was, kneeling by the side of her bed, having her own personal prayer time with the Lord. I had never, we had never said, you know, you really ought to have your personal prayer time by your bed from here on. But we found about a year ago that she started doing it anyway. The Lord put that into her heart as she's being guided, you know, to the heavenly shores. The Lord put that there. What an encouragement that was to my heart. And then to see her doing it, even though she's sick. You know, sometimes I'll come down the stairs, and she's kind of a little shy, you know. She's kind of caught in her prayer time. Sometimes I'll come down, and I'll kneel by her side, and she'll kind of give me one of these coy little smiles, and I'll say, can I listen too? She said, what, you mean say it out loud? I said, yeah, could I just listen? And she'll pray her little prayer. And, you know, it just brings, it just warms my heart. But this is what we can expect in our homes as we're preparing our children for that eternal shore. Do you recall the scene that we started out with? That picture that we painted of heaven? I'd like us to go back to that. I'd like to share this with you in closing. In Child Guidance, page 564, says this. <coughs> When the judgment shall sit and the books shall be opened, when the well done of the great judge is pronounced and the crown of immortal glory is placed upon the brow of the victor, many will raise their crowns in sight of the assembled universe and, pointing to their mother, say, She made me all I am through the grace of God. Her instructions, her prayers have been blessed to my eternal salvation. Is that what you want? You know, as I read that, I was so encouraged because often we, we think about the few that are going to make the right choices at the end of time. But here it said, many will raise their crowns. Does that encourage you? We can be amongst the many that experience that in our lives through our children. It goes on a few pages later to say, The angels of God immortalize the names of the mothers whose efforts have won their children to Jesus Christ. So you may feel some days when everything seems to be going wrong and your child for some reason just, you know, 
I needn't spell it out. You know, you may get to feeling discouraged and despondent, but do not allow the devil to take you there because this is a privilege beyond all measures of any other privilege in this world. If we will but choose it for ourselves with the Lord, we must walk that walk with him. We will experience it. I want to be there on that sea of glass and, and experience that. And I want every one of you to be right there too. And I'm looking forward to that day. Shall we kneel? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this message that we just heard. We all come from varied circumstances, and I don't know what you have put in each of our hearts. But Lord, may we make no excuses. Our children, we just have this, we don't know how much time we have with them. They're growing up, and each moment is precious, and we can never get it back. Please forgive us, Lord where we have failed. We're thankful for your forgiveness, and we're thankful, Lord, for your power to help us have victory, to overcome, and we ask for help. We pray, Lord, that we would not forget what we've heard, that we would take our notes, that we would study, that we would get the message, that we would study on our own more in these areas, Lord, that we need as parents, that our children can be in heaven with us, that we will be there as a complete family, and that we can represent you here day by day. We ask for this help, and we trust in you, and help us, Lord, to not be weary in well-doing and persevere till the end. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.